2018 grad school. I'm Kate. And I'm Dustin. And today we're joined by Corey Richier, who is one of one of our friends. He's now a friend. Uh, he has been a friend. But welcome to the podcast, Corey. And if you could just introduce yourself a little bit, tell us where you're from, what you're doing. Hey, Kate and Dustin. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Uh, yeah. I am a PhD student at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in the clinical psychology program with Dustin. Um, I conduct research that's, uh, I'd say, like in the intersection of clinical psychology and computational and systems neuroscience. Um, so integrating those approaches for understanding transdiagnostic dimensions of comorbidity, um, as well as like some pure cognitive neuroscience stuff. That's so cool. I, I, I was thinking about it as you were talking, I was like, oh, something I know a little, a little bit about and something I know absolutely nothing about. And then he said transdiagnostic. <laughs> and I was like, I know that word. Um, I'm back in. <laughs> I'm back in. <laughs> I'm cognitive back psych. You. Nope. Back out. <laughs> I know whenever my, I hear cognitive psych, my brain is just sort of like, oh, like smart people stuff, um, which I think is so cool. And, you know, obviously it's the thing where like, if it's not your area, you're like, oh, I couldn't possibly, and then, you know, your area really well. Um, but I think that's so cool. Like you're in, that you're like marrying those two areas um, and very, I mean, not like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of like a different way to go about like the questions of clinical psychology. Yeah. Uh, there's like the like neuroimaging studies of psychopathology have been, you know, we're going on kind of like decade number three of doing them. So it's like the, the, the advent of the MRI and EEG methods and that kind of thing. Um, but sort of my, uh, approach I think is, is a little bit different is sort of like, I, I try to live in like, like trying to like bridge the world of like the more like pure computational and neuroscience and like sort of like machine learning approaches that like sort of, that's like almost basically like, you know, sometimes that stuff doesn't even get out to behavior. It's more just sort of like understanding, you know, principles of the brain or maybe even into like some aspects of cognition, like purpose, you might call like, I guess, lower order than yeah. um, bringing it up to, to psychopathology because the research in that has been contentious <laughs> uh, <laughs> to say, to say the least. Uh, and I think what I'm, what I'm trying to bring to it, I guess, is sort of like marrying the people who are like in neuroscience who like understand, you know, these more like, like modeling and AI and, you know, physiology and systems neuroscience or people who like, you know, like they have curiosity about mental illness and things like that, but they don't, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily have people who are in the clinical world who do that. So uh, I guess I'm trying to be somebody who like can get these disparate groups who are, have interest mutually in some way to be more effective and to, I guess, advance the science in a, in a more grounded way. I really like that. Uh, Dustin and I talk yep. a lot about how like a lot of uh, fields in psychology are so siloed and how that just creates these huge gaps in knowledge or like application gaps. Um, and so I think, I don't know, that's, it's awesome that you're doing that. I'm curious if this like if generational, like science generationally, like if our generation is more interested in de-siloing areas and if that's like how that's gonna change the field. So I'm not saying we're better than previous generations of scientists. Uh, I'm like tagging myself out of all future jobs. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, the silos had to be built in order for us to take them down, right? So. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for building the silos, future employer. Um, this, I'm but here to fuck them up. <laughs> <laughs> so but before we dive into uh Corey's life story and um about all the exciting things we're going to talk about we have to get to our new segment that we love what's new with you <laughs> and so I'll ask the question Corey what's new with you 
Yeah. So um, academically, I just submitted a, a fellowship. Um, We're gonna insert like celebrations up here. Yeah. So I, I submitted this fellowship to um, it's uh, the Beckman Institute, which is this um, interdisciplinary science center at the University of Illinois. They like to sort of bridge like computer science and neuroscience and psychology and like they do some chemistry stuff. A project's not chemistry related, but it is related to those other things. Um, so uh, that is good, I guess. Um, that's great. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see if it gets um, funded. <laughs> yeah. Fingers that's, crossed. That's always the guess. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast while you're scoring grants uh, or <laughs> fellowships. Uh, fellowships at the Beckman Institute, at the Beckman Institute specifically, uh, fund this one. <laughs> yeah. You've got Please. the endorsement of this podcast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It counts for a lot, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Start adding it to your CV. Yep. <laughs> And anybody out there, if you want our endorse, endorsement, just put it on your CV. <laughs> and anything else new with you outside of academia? Outside of academia. I know that's the question is, we always ask ourselves. What What is outside academia? Yeah, it's like, what is even literally outside anymore? <laughs> um, it's, it's a stereotypical grad student of me. It's like nothing is really, I guess, coming to mind. Better weather. Um, Better weather, yeah, yeah. For for here in Illinois, I think we're we're kind of out of we're out of what is like month eight of winter. So that's yeah. cool. It's nice, like running weather. So that's great for me. I'm a big runner. So, oh, you are, huh? Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Corey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also so before I ask Dustin what's new with him, I'll just jump in and say what's new with me. Um, which is the first is I've been running a lot more <laughs> delegated myself as the main host. It's fine. Um, and so, no, I like the weather has been a lot better in Ithaca lately. And I think this winter I've been kind of like, ah, like running hasn't been as fun as it usually is. And I think part of it was like pandemic plus like being home all the time. It's like, I hate starting my route at the same place every time. But I've been like running a lot more often and I'm starting to train like seriously and my legs hurt all the time. Um, and I got my vaccine yesterday. So now my arm hurts all the time. <laughs> um, and so it's good news, but it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting to have better weather. Um, Dustin, what's new with you? I am going to be submitting again my IRB for my dissertation project. It's a little behind, but it'll be in and submitted and we'll see what happens. Um, what else was new? Let's see. Uh, hopefully, well, I, I will be hearing back from internship sites soon. And hopefully it is where I want to go um, because we've, we've already started looking at places and like, you got to look at schools real early for little kids. And that's fun and, and slightly alarming at how quickly that goes. Um, otherwise finish WandaVision. That is wonderful. Everyone needs to be watching that. Can I just say that it's academic related, but I got to preview Dustin's logo for his study that he's running and it looks very cool. So thank you. I'm if glad. you're a child listening to this prod podcast between the ages of nine and 14, participate in the study link in bio. <laughs> I need to get parent consent so if you're a parent who has a teenager as child yes lincoln bio <laughs> i'm turning in my irv next week hopefully knock on wood um it's taking me much longer than i thought it would um but yeah i have that's my other like what's new with me so i feel for you i keep wanting to add things and irvs are just so stressful to submit to because you never know when they're gonna get back to you <laughs> And that's the end of our section. What's new with you? Uh, so now we want to talk to Corey. Um, Corey, we want to talk to you about your experience in both like getting into uh, academia and getting into your research, as well as like your thoughts on 
non-traditional paths to academia, deciding for yourself like what you want to do and how you want to do it. Those kind of big questions that kind of come with your your time as a graduate student. And I also think it's great that you're a second year, you're finishing up your second year. I guess. Wow. It is March. All right. <laughs> and so I feel like I can look to you too, because I'm just finishing up my first year. And I, I, I thought I would, I feel like I thought I would know more at the end of my first year. Um, I thought things would be a little more clear. And so I kind of want to get your take because Dustin's like, so, so past this time in his life. So um, jaded. Yeah. I don't. Jaded. <laughs> yeah. So do you mind starting with like a little bit of story of like how you got to where you are? I, um, I guess I'll start with what I did in undergrad. Um, so I went to, um, I actually started in community college. I did that and I transferred to a four-year school and I had every intention that I was going to be a high school teacher. I always knew that I liked psychology. Um, and in fact, I was really motivated and captivated um, by a course I took in high school. I had a great teacher and I think that's like sort of was like the, the genesis of my interest um, in what I do now, truthfully, like sort of like the, the biological psychology unit, I still remember to this day. So shout out to Mr. Hopkins because he is the reason I'm here. For, for whatever reason, I it just like, I thought I, I was gonna be a teacher. Like, I, I think I, I lacked some like confidence in myself. Um, I wasn't a super great student, especially at least not in high school. And I, and I think that like I wanted to teach because I had this like great experience with my, my high school teacher in psychology. So I did like a social studies endorsement, did all of that, taught psychology and enjoys the process of teaching very much. Um, and I still do love teaching as part of what I do. Um, but I kind of I knew that I wanted to do more. Like I knew that like instead of like talk, just talking about what I was doing, I wanted to actually be doing it. So I did, I did research in undergrad. Um, I guess the, the, maybe the, hopefully this timeline isn't too confusing. And I did actually apply for grad school, like as I was finishing student teaching, um, had some offers to go places, um, but realized that like, I was still figuring out who I was. Um, and that like, I was very much applying to schools that was very informed by the lab that I was in under the assumption that it was like, oh, I was just going to continue on and keep doing the thing that I was in the lab doing. Like so um, many undergrads do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because it's just like, I'm, you know, I think my advisor, you know, he was he was great and very supportive. You know, I, I had, I was very lucky and fortunate to, for how that situation panned out for me. And I learned a lot from it. And I learned I was not ready for grad school. I learned that like, I had no idea you know, to say like, oh, I'm jumping into four to six years of something. And it's like, you know, I could, I could do anything. Right. And I think that's sort of the, there's like the, the paradox of choice in going into that and thinking that like, sort of like hopping into this expectation and like having conversations with faculty and other students, almost like going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Um, it's sort of like I kind of had an oh shit moment. I remember like on an interview kind of realizing that it's like, it's like, I can do this, but this is, this is like not the time. So I wound up like turning everything down, which was a hard choice to make. Was that in just psychology broadly or were they clinical programs, developmental? Yeah. So it was, it was like, yeah, it was kind of all over the place psychology. I would okay. say like kind of like the developmental clinical world roughly. So I didn't have any offers for clinical places the first time I applied. I didn't have the research experience and probably not the other metrics at the time because hey, I was just either. coming out of <laughs> yeah, just coming out of undergrad, right? And that's I think why that's I didn't how go to college or that's why I didn't go to grad school out of undergrad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because it's hard because like I think I must have applied. I mean, at the time it was only four or five. So like, which was out of like, I think I did like 12 or 13 total at that point in time. Um, and I had like a 0% hit rate. I, like I got on the wait list at one clinical program. That's that's exactly what happened to me. I only applied to clinical. I What I'm kind of blown away by is, and I like, I want to get back to your story and like moving to things is just the fact that you like turned down offers because I think so many people would just have gone forward with like 
like just kind of gone down a path. Um, And I can imagine how challenging it would have been to like, cause I, I obviously ended up in developmental programs, but I thought about originally having that as a backup option, which is wild to me because it's like something I really want to do now desperately. And if I had just chosen it as a backup option, I wouldn't have seen it as this like really wonderful thing I could do. And it might've taken me in such a weird direction. So I just, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it was awful at the time. <laughs> like, I I think getting that far into it and having spent the money, fortune. the, the, the yeah. time and all of that. But I guess I could see, and I thought, right, and you, you know, good advice that I got from an advisor, right? I think I didn't, I don't know if he actually gave it to me, like thinking about this, like aspect of it, right? Is But to think about what you want to do on the other end. And sort of knowing that it's like, if I hop into this, I don't know what that's going to be. And it's like, I'm essentially signing on and committing to something where it's like, you know, oh, you know, like if if I hop into this, there's like, there's no guarantee that I can, that I will have the, the tools around me to, or even like the knowledge of myself. It's the self-knowledge thing. But I think that's why I always advise undergrads not to do what I did, which was to apply to grad school out of undergrad. I did not have that insight that you had. And so I just, and I couldn't imagine not being in school. And so I was so primed because I was like, well, I don't need to think past the next five years. Like I'm in grad school, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was hard. I mean, it was, I'm so glad I did it. Like at the, at the time, right. It was like, basically everybody around me was like, you are insane. Like the grad students in the lab I worked with, the PI probably too, to an extent, um, my family, you know, it's like you were, you basically, you, you did the thing, right. Um, yeah. But you got like, the thing not, that you applied for. Yeah. But I think, you know, what I, I, I don't know, I don't know what came over me at the time. i like, I still feel very lucky, but like, I knew that like, you know, I don't know if I knew, but I think I, like, I had the realization that like just getting in isn't necessarily the right thing. Like Mm -hmm. you need to kind of like have that like self-actualization or be closer to it and be like, I am ready to do this. And it's like, I, I at least have a better sense about like what I'm hopping into is like going to give me the tools to do what I see myself being on the other end. Um, And I knew that like when I was coming out of undergrad, I was like, I don't know, I don't know who that person even is yet. I was like, I was, I, you know, he's still going through a lot of, you know, and I still do this too. I, even in a, in a different way, I deal with it now, right? But like, in figuring out, like, you know, it's like this experience of more schooling. Like, what is it that I want want to do, or what I want to learn? And it's like, if you don't know that, then like, it's it wasn't the right call. So yeah, I think it's easy to get caught up in like graduate school as as an experience altogether and like something you want to be a part of when I think it it should be more of like this is a training experience for you and for you to grow and if you're not able to see how that training applies to who you want to be or where you want to go and what you want to do then like it's hard to figure out in that time and like if I'm sure if you did end up going into the programs that you got accepted to, like, it would be a different experience, you would still eventually actualize and and think about where what those points are moving forward. But I think taking that like, I would if I didn't get into graduate school, I don't know what I would have done. And if so, really, it was like, if I had an offer, I was going to jump on it, because I couldn't see anything else. And I think having that like reflecting on things and where you're going is really helpful and something. Yeah, I agree. I wish I would have, would have been more talked about because it was like grad school is the end game. You're applying, just get in and you're good, but that's not it. Yeah. Yeah, There's more to it. Yeah. And I'm not, now that I'm in it, that's definitely the case, (laughs) right? You, that is, that is a hundred percent, a hundred percent true. Now I want to hear more about your story. So like you, 
turn down so you turn down all of these offers and everyone's like what are you doing um and you're like i don't know um but then you go to uh student teaching from there like were you was that also like on the table for you as an option or were you thinking like i'm just not ready to do this so i'm gonna find something for right now or like you said you were kind of already thinking about teaching yeah so like i I double majored with, with psych and with like a teaching I was like a psych and history major because at my school you had to like major oh, so in the cool. subjects and then like get a teaching certificate on top of it. So I like in that cycle, it was like I was like applying to grad school in the middle of student teaching, which was like the single worst thing, worst choice I've ever made in my life. Oh my um, gosh, my sister's a middle school teacher. Meg, if you're listening, this doesn't apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I like I stuck around and I like like in the process of while I was like substitute teaching and I did that for like a year, like a long-term sub kind of thing Mm -hmm. afterwards. So I was doing that and I was still like, I knew I was like, I was turning down grad school going through that, but I was like, I still know I want to do this. I think that was like the the takeaway. It was that it's like, I still want to do a PhD. I still want to do research this field generally is right for me, but it's like, I haven't, I've yet to figure out enough about myself about like, you know, which niche I want to, to go into. So I did that. And then I applied to work in a post lab. So I did that for two years where I did my soul searching and GRE studying to be, <laughs> to, to get ready for what I d- decided. And that took a lot of, there was a lot of decisions I made in that too. And in, in thinking that like, you know, I started to realize that like, I appreciated neuroscience and I was like, you know, do I want to do pure neuro or do I want to do clinical psych and, and opted to do mostly clinical psych in those applications. So that's how to, that's, and then from that cycle is how I wound up in uh, Champaign-Urbana, shampoo banana. <laughs> <laughs> As it's well known. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in, in that, like that intermediary place where you applied you got a post-bac position, like doing a, additional research. Did you find a, additional experiences that were more in like pure neuro or clinical? Like, how did you come to that realization that like this crossover might be of, of most interest to you? Yeah. So great question. Cause that is, I would say this is the, it was the place where I got to think about it more. So I yeah. went to, um, a relatively small state school for undergrad. They have a clinical psych program. I worked in a clinical psych lab. I worked at Northwestern hospital system in Chicago. Um, and it is a big, huge R1, you know, interdisciplinary medical academic medical center. And it sort of just like blew my mind to see how much like different stuff there was because it's, you know, it's like, now we're not just in a psychology department. It's like, we are in an entire hospital system of which like you have every single thing under the sun, right. When it comes to like clinical care, this is, you know, my background wasn't in like medicine specifically, but it was seeing like you know, people from all these different departments who are talking to each other. And like, I had like the PI I worked for, it was, you know, a great thing they did was really big team science stuff. Like they we did a project that was like, we, it was like a launch, it was like a developmental psychopathology project, but then we were like collaborating with preventative medicine to look at like cardiovascular risk factors and like self-regulation. And it was like, you know, just really, really uh, interesting combinations of things. Um, and I think that like, I got like, I would say like the research experiences I got at the post back are pretty typical in what people would get. But I think what like really sort of like took me off and like got me going and thinking about like where I wanted to do was just seeing that just sort of like walking mm-hmm. around and, you know, looking at like research presentations and like case conferences and things like that. And just being like, wow, there's like so much. It's like, I don't even know any of this. Um, yeah, I think I was at a major hospital. Like I got my research experience at a major hospital in Boston. And I think what's crazy is seeing, especially if like neuro is an area that you're interested in and like the neuro and clinical care, like overlap in particular mm-hmm. is just the massive amount of resources like university hospitals can have. And um, just fancy stuff, like just insane. I mean, also <laughs> going from 
uh, Brigham to the state school. And uh, we, this clinical psych building has rats, uh, has cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you can't plug too many things into one outlet or else it will blow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, are you at the Beckman Institute? This, I guess, is some insider Illinois knowledge, but do you work at Beckman? No. So, well, I mean, I work at my laptop in my room mostly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, of course. Technically, like, yeah. So my advisor, Wendy, has like a Beckman affiliation and we like, all the imaging is done there. But oh, okay. I, um, I don't technically have... Like our office space is in the psych building. Okay, so, so you, yeah. you you get it. <laughs> that beautiful atrium. Yeah, I always yeah, find it brutalist architecture. Yeah, just brutal. Uh, everyone, uh, go Ill go and I for basketball. Um, move some of those resources that make the courts pretty awesome to the psych building. <laughs> I think there was just like a big donation to the uh, basketball program anonymously. So. Yeah. Send it yeah, well, our way. Yeah. If any yeah. anonymous donors want to donate to Illinois uh, psych psychology <laughs> department. Yep. Yep. I'll take it. As a quick aside before we get back into more serious stuff. So there used to be a bar across the street from the psych building. And cams. yeah, cams, um, which had apparently, I never went inside, the stickiest floors in the world. And also cockroaches. But when they tore that building down, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like it's true there was everyone was saying that the cockroaches and the mice migrated over to the psych building oh once no the, once cams got torn down because they were looking for a new home <laughs> and that was after cams got torn down was the first time I had to remove a cockroach from our offices and the reason I had to Dustin was because you weren't there and no one else <laughs> in our lab it was either you or me <laughs> I'm glad that that we are the cockroach killers in our call lab. Out, yeah, just calling out people on this entire podcast, members of the Yeti lab. <laughs> <laughs> Could not hack it. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to kind of back to you, Corey, and being in the psych building. Um, it's all related. So you kind of had, I mean, I feel like you had a pseudo non-traditional background in like you have this RA ship, you were doing some other things like how did that inform like your first year coming in and like your sense of like what you were going to do and how you were going to do it and research? Yeah. Great question. Cause I still think I had that identity crisis still like even coming in because I, I applied and I knew like I had some conceptualization that I was like really interested in this computational stuff. Cause that was like a small element of the lab I was in, but it was like, mostly I would say is like multi, like my post-bac lab research was like multimodal neuroimaging developmental psychopathology. So like I put together a um, application that like was about that and like some transdiagnostic psychopathology stuff. Um, so I got here and I got put in a lab um, that sort of was like had that um, by my advisor and I had that background. And I remember like, I guess thinking after a couple of weeks, right. And like in being in grad school, right. Is that it's like, well, now I'm here. I can like kind of do whatever I want really. I mean, like, that's like whatever you want. Right. But like, it's sort of like, I like in thinking about like, well, what, you know, I need to start thinking about like my, my, your program of research, yeah, your program of research. Right. <laughs> like what they throw around. Right. Yeah. And I, and I remember thinking that like, I was like, I could do this. And it's like, I'm, I'm interested in, in this, this to an extent, but it's like, I, I sort of like, I really wanted to learn more about the, the computational stuff. So I remember I went to my advisor and I was kind of scared to do it. Cause I was like, new, <laughs> I was very new. Right. It was like very kind to be, you know, made this connection. And I was sort of, and I told her, I was like, you know, I actually don't know if this is the right lab for what I'm thinking I'm doing. Um, which was a very ambitious move when I had like, basically what I was proposing for her was like a thing that I like, you know, I like, I've been coding and stuff on the side, like for fun, you know, as <laughs> like, yeah. I think I want to do this, like make my research more about this thing. And I was, you know, she's kind and supportive. She's like, okay. Um, 
which still shocks me to an extent because I feel <laughs> I feel like the, like the rational thing is just be like this guy is out of his mind. Who do you think just, you are? To yeah, <laughs> yeah. like who do you think you are? Right. So, um, yeah. So then, like from there, it was just I kind of hit the ground running and like you know sort of trying to formulate this my program of research and my identity about these like questions and topics that like I have like basically questions that I like thought that I was coming into grad school that I wanted to explore, but then just saying like, I want to take a different angle on them. Um, so, and that's kind of what I've been doing ever, ever since is still like in the milieu of figuring out how to learn those things for one, because grad school is just so incredibly self-directed and like, you just have to teach yourself everything really. I mean, like you have classes and stuff and of course but like really most of most of it at least what i find is just like i this like if i don't figure this out on my own it won't happen yeah <laughs> that's that's what i'm learning and in my first year which is like uh if i want to do something it's like a sometimes i'm like i can do this and then it, it, it's also like <laughs> you have to do this like it's this combination yeah. of like oh, wow, this is so exciting. Like I have the freedom to create, like, I mean, I worked through this. I kind of had told my advisor, I was like, yeah, I'm like interested in the menstrual cycle. And, but it's like really hard to study. And she was like, let's do it. And so (laughs) it's this thing where like, it's this other like good advisor thing where you have someone who's like, like, you're like, I have the seed of an idea and they help you grow it. And like, that's what a good advisor does, but you also have to get like, what I find like really impressive of you. Let me just lavish praise on you. Like, I like, but like, I'm very, very impressed by your ability to like advocate for yourself and also realize what's not right for you. Because I think that's something I'm still sort of figuring out. So if someone suggests something to me, I'm like, okay, I'll look into it. And then I think it takes a lot of like both self-knowledge and like like internal strength to be like, you know, I'm really interested in this. Do you mind if I pursue it? That's yeah. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard, certainly. Like I had a ton of anxiety about broaching it. Um, but I also, you know, I have to chalk it up to, you know, environmental circumstances too. Like I have a fantastic advisor who like, you know, has believed in me and lets me explore all of my weird ideas <laughs> and things like that. Um, but I am, I'm so much happier for doing it. And I think that like, part of it was that it's like, once I did it, like in turning down grad school the first time, cause that was like, I agonized over that decision for like months. Like I sort of, I sort of knew by like February yeah. that it was like, it's not right for me. And I waited until like the April decision time to tell people that I was like, I can't do it. So now it feels a little bit easier to do, but I understand like the apprehension that, you know, that like comes with like that advocacy for oneself. It's hard. And it's, you know, it's, it's also like having other people who are on your side, who will, who will like stand up for you too, when you need it, you know? So it's like, I think a thing that I also try to do is like, you know, and having going through that. And I think, you know, why I'm happy to share this experience is to like, let other people know that, like, if you feel that way, like you should do it, you know, grad school and research and life is short. You know, yeah. so like, you know, it's like, like comparing, like thinking about like how miserable I was before I was doing, and maybe this is just me as a person that it's like, I, maybe some people are, are okay to sort of float between things, but it's like, I, I like, I can't stand being in like, like as, as all of the social anxiety I had about like not saying something or not wanting to say something like was outweighed by like just how much I hated everything going on (laughs) before saying it so um you know it's it's hard you know I would I would encourage people to try and do it and I'd be happy to you know just give people advice about how to because I know it's hard it's not it's it's like it's like almost dismissive just be like oh yeah go ahead and, and do this right because it's like there are so many factors that go into people's individual circumstances and social dynamics and you know other factors that go into play and I think I got I'm lucky and privileged in a lot of ways that it was like maybe easier for me to do that than some other people 
Yeah, I appreciate I, I appreciate that acknowledgement. I also think like I think I I, I really want to like take the point of it's if something's not right for you, like that's not a failed, like it's not a failed experiment. It's equally informative. Like we talk about this in research all the time, like non-significant results are like talking to my undergrads about this on Monday, which is like (laughs) non-significant results are really informative. Um, One of the jobs I worked post, like was like a really not a great fit for me. And I was like really unhappy and I needed to do something different. And like a big part of realizing that for me was, Oh, like what parts of that job, like really don't work for me. So I could find something that was a good fit. And I agree with you. Like, I think my social anxiety of being like, I need to do something else or like, I can't let them know that like, this isn't a good fit was overcome by like, I need to do something else. Like really, really different. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm putting it in the perspective, like my advisor in talking about internship and everything which still feels weird uh is like putting into perspective the rest of your career and like you're gonna have he was saying like 30 40 years of a career and it like that part for some reason really stuck with me because I've been so focused on this time in grad school and when you put it in this larger scheme of things, like not to minimize the the struggles and things that we all experience in grad school, but then seeing how it how it will impact you moving forward and like what that looks like. And then like weighing, well, where is that going to put me if I don't say something versus if I do? And it it is hard to do, but I agree that it is going to be, it will be beneficial because yeah, it's if you if it's not working for you, it's not your failure. Like you were saying, Kate, it's like this, the system just isn't a fit for you. And it's not a failure on your part or their part. I mean, it might be their part, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you need to find something that works for you and go go do it. And I, I haven't been advocating for myself, I don't think throughout, or like for myself or others, because I thought grad school was going to be like, yeah, you're going to, I'm just here and I'm going to soak up all your knowledge and you're just going to give it to me when it's like, no, everyone's stingy about their knowledge. If you got to go find it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to like also compliment you, Dustin, um, because I think something that I've been impressed with you on the other end, like Corey, you're kind of in like your second year. So you're at the like beginning stage of like getting here. I needed to advocate for myself and be flexible and um, realize like who I am now is might not be where I end up. Um, Dustin, like, I think something that in the last two years, especially you've been really vocal about is like, there's so many things you can do with clinical psychology. And a lot of people like in academia are like, this is what you should do. And like, this is kind of where you end up. And I think I've also appreciated you as like, yeah, there are steps you have to take. You have to go on internship. You have to get these experiences and they're important and they're informative, but they're not your long-term, like they're not like, they're important and they can factor into your long-term trajectory, but it's just one year of your life, which was why you shouldn't have to move a bunch, but um, that's a different problem. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But there are things that, you know, factor into who you are, but they are not directly like who you will become. Um, And I've always really appreciated that always in the last two years, especially since my entire life, your entire life. Um, I've appreciated that perspective and I, it, this has me thinking a lot more Corey of like the early stuff that I can already start integrating. Cause in some ways I've taken Dustin's advice and I'm like, well, that will apply later. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But this is why Dustin shouldn't be the only person I look to, uh, <laughs> for how to be a graduate student. So what I'm saying, Corey is give me all the advice. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. <laughs> well, just for the next I'll- year. Yeah, well, he is, yeah, you're, I can, you're one year ahead, so yeah, you're always going to have that. Yeah, I guess I'm, I can I can continue to do that, but I, depending on who you ask, I don't know if uh, I will give advice, but taking it <laughs> from me uh, <laughs> remains, you know, the the difference between first and second year is pretty small. So maybe feels pretty big right now. Uh, I feel like <laughs> it's not. It's like the opposite situation of I. My brothers were a year older in school, and they would always be like oh, you'll understand a year from now. And I was like, (laughs) you're the worst. And now I'm like, oh God, I hope I understand what you understand a year from now. (laughs) But uh, we should start to wrap up. So um, any like final thoughts before we head into our future directions? I don't know. I I think that like the same 
this the same issue of like figuring out who you want to be when you're like this this issue of identity in, in grad school and like you know your program of research and like what I'm going to spend my time on and what I'm going to learn and what I'm going to like you know the kind of postdoc or job or whatever thing I'm going to do on the other end is like always an evolving question because like you're you're always like what I think I'm going to do now, right? Like, you know, I'm going to, who knows, I find something like two or three months from now that like totally establishes or derails my direction. Um, and that's, I don't, I don't know. And maybe it's just cause like, this isn't just how I am, but I, I find that like consciously devoting effort to that is like the central problem of grad school. Um, is that like there's all the minutiae and like you know i gotta grade all these papers and these other things and it's sort of like you get you kind of get lost in the day-to-day -day of that but i think that like maybe what i want to teach tell myself or like i would have told myself or like advice i would give is like try not to lose sight of that because like that's sort of like just the, the common thread of like you know where i'm going like if we're you know where you want to be i think like like devoting at least some time to always be thinking about that, I think will help keep your sanity and like maybe just help keep you like feeling like you're on track of where you're going and where you where you hope you end up. So I guess we'll see how good of a job I do at that. Maybe I'll like I'll listen back to the recording of this and I'll be like, wow, well, you really botched that up. <laughs> like that was cute. Corey <laughs> from like three weeks ago or like a year from now or something, but this is our yeah. whole pre-registered podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think it's also, it, it's good when those change, it's okay. If that yeah. future changes in your mind, because we mm -hmm. are in a, in a process in graduate school where those should change. And I think oftentimes there is that tension between like, well, this is what I have been doing. I have to keep doing that versus something that I'd be interested in. And it's okay to, to spend a little time and like look at both of them and, and reevaluate. And I, I agree that having that still is like, what are your goals? And it's okay if those change. And I think just giving, giving yourself the okay to do that. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of this, like I, I was reaching out to, um, I think it's okay to share the names of people if you're saying some nice things about them so I'll go for it um so I emailed she probably does not remember but I emailed Tori Eisenler Mole about like a few years ago when I was still post back and I was like hi I'm like interested in your work and I think I was asking if she was going to take a student she responded she goes like I don't know if, I think she was like something like I don't know if I'm taking a student but like let's talk like what do you want to be when you grow up and it, it was like this like kind of sweet thing where I was like, yeah, I'm like not done academically growing up. And it was like very kind of clarifying because it made me think about it because I wanted to be like, I'm interested in this, this and this and this is what I want to study. But I think I had thought a lot of less about what do I want to be when I'm academically grown up? And it's like to Corey's point, like in Justin, you're you're thinking about this as like, that can change and that's totally okay. But it's also, you need to keep that in mind as you're making decisions and is, is the work you're doing bringing you closer to who you wanna be and the kind of work you wanna be doing in 30, for the 30, 40 year career. Um, and I just like, I really love that she asked me that question cause she made me think so hard about it and it was, it was really good for me. So um, thank you. <laughs> she won't listen to this podcast, but I appreciate her. <laughs> She's got great research too, so check it out. Um, but yeah, so we should head into our future direction section. So um, future directions, anyone want to kind of kick us off? I've been, I'm in the middle of uh, another Brandon Sanderson novel. I can't stop reading. He just writes so much and the books are very long. Um, so I, I think I'm like three quarters of the way through of the second in the stormlight archive. I think it's words of radiance. It's just like his world building and everything that he does is so amazing. And it, it's really exciting. Um, so go, go check that out, support your local libraries and go, 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 go get that. Otherwise I'm trying not to watch TV cause I'm behind in work. <laughs> 
Me too. I've been listening to podcasts to help fill the void of TV and the <laughs> ambient noise I like in my mind. <laughs> um, Corey, any any future directions? Yeah. So I, uh, I play a lot of video games because I'm a, a nerd in every aspect of my we life. Are, we are all nerds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I've been playing uh, a game called Control, um, which is like... I would describe it as like a Christopher Nolan movie meets like the X-Files. So it's like the the premise is like, what if like all paranormal things that happened were like actually true? And like, there's a branch of the government that's like basically responsible for like cataloging them and doing research on them and like keeping them secret. And like, so your character is like involved in this conspiracy about it. Um, and it's cool because oh, they so have cool. it's it's really really it's neat so it's like they do all sorts of like like illusions and like the architecture of the world is all like shape-shifting and like I think like the coolest part about it I guess is like a psych student is that they have like a parapsychology lab and it has like all these like real psychology tests and things and they like talk about how they're doing these experiments that are like I mean obviously like in real life that stuff's like crap but like yeah yeah but like it's like lots <laughs> yeah. yeah but like in the in the game it's cool to see like the amount of like attention that they paid this is like it actually like this is like a legit it's like somebody has like actually been to a psych lab before so <laughs> yeah so that's that's cool i've been i've been playing that that um, sounds awesome i that reminds me of a con again doubling down on nerd stuff a comic book called manifest destiny where it was it like follows lewis and clark in their their progression and like their adventures but as though all of the mythical creatures that the indigenous people would talk about if they were actually real and like what their journey looked like as a result so i, I like that where it like pairs the the two where it's like we know that this doesn't exist but then it's like well what if every 100 yeah. of it was true and I, yeah i'm gonna yeah. have to check that out i don't think it would be good for my daughter to play with me so that'll be <laughs> that'll be a, a we'll stick to mario yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll do control later. This is also, so I'm going to have to like fashion my recommendation based off of those. It's not something I did. Re I, uh, someone I've read recently, but um, if you like video games and like reading, I'm not even like, I don't, other than watching my brothers play Banjo-Tooie and then playing Smash Bros. Um, I like loved watching them play, like play Banjo-Tooie. Um, uh, so someone I went to high school with, uh, a few years older than me. Uh, he is a really great writer. Uh, his name is Grayson Morley. And he had this blog and he like wrote a review of this video game. And he writes these really like beautiful short stories. And some of them, you can tell he's someone who like plays a lot of video games and the way he writes about them is like just really nice. And like, it's like, I should start playing video games. Um, the one I'm thinking of in particular is about this it's a, this one video game where you're playing as two brothers who it's like a, you can switch into the two brothers. Um, and I'm going to look it up afterwards and get it right. But it's like, it has this like beautiful storyline. And um, anyway, he just like writes really beautifully about it. And um, he's this great writer and I would highly recommend him. And his wife is a really great poet. And so um, I kind of feel like I'm like, wow, this really good writer went to my high school um, and I would like to promote his work. So check out Grayson Morley's work and it's M-O-R-L-E-Y. Um, and then I had, oh, and also the podcast you're wrong about, I've been like absolutely loving. Um, so they revisit like cultural like touchstones, I guess I'd say, and like talk about how the like cultural narratives at the time how they were off base or like what we think about them now, um, what we get wrong in our like collective uh, memory of these events. Um, and the one I, the episode I recommend the most is Terry Schiavo. Um, basically a lot of it is about like things that I like saw in tabloids when I was younger, like, and I was like, oh, wow. Like this is what actually happened. And this is my like eight year old remembrance of it um which it was way too high level for me but yeah so those are my those are my two recommendations thanks for joining us Corey I really appreciate getting yeah, your insights you. yeah yeah and thank you guys I think you know you actually I do want to say this that like I 
you know, as somebody who does listen to your podcast, I've listened to every single one um, that like, I truly can't thank you both enough for doing it because like, you know, being in grad school and like in my second year, especially in COVID has been like such a like super crushing, oppressive and like at times really lonely. Um, So like, you know, what, what you guys share as graduate students and bringing people on is like great for someone like me. Um, and I think probably for the whole listener base, you know, that like you guys are, you know, you, you help us, you help me. And I would assume others who also listen that like, you know, we're not alone and that like, we're all going through this together and that like, you know, that there are support systems in place. Um, and, you know, I, I really can't thank you both enough for it because like, it really has significantly been um, something that has helped me get through this year of school. Um, thank you. You guys should know that. And I hope you keep this in for, for the listeners too, right? Like you guys deserve the, like, this presentation. <laughs> Don't cut this out. I like, maybe I will, I will like go, oh, I will, you. I will like go, go find that and, and share that because you know, you, you, I, I hope this keeps going and I hope that you, you, because this is just, I don't, I'm like stumbling over words because I'm just not super articulate. But like, no. it, it really means a lot. Like, no, that, no, yeah. this is yeah. like really nice. Yes. Um, we, yeah. I don't know. I think this was kind of our goal. And like, I mean, it's like, it's been a year, I think, since like we pitched, like Dustin pitched it and was like, hey, do you want to do this? And I like, it makes me feel, and like, I like the Twitter presence. Like, I don't know. I've really appreciated your Twitter presence, actually, Corey. It's made me feel like, like more connected to everyone. So I yeah. think. Yeah. Like you guys, you're very welcome. Like this is like, I can't say it enough. Like I was so stoked to be here <laughs> and like, you know, and hopefully what I share today is useful and helpful for people. But like, I think, you know, they're, there could never have been a better time for you guys to do something like this. And I think that like, at least if I can speak to, you know, like all the hours that I've spent listening to the podcast and like how helpful it has been, I'm sure that there are others out there like me. So. You know. Okay. We'll keep doing. Yeah. <laughs> do yes. it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. This is, that really does mean a lot. Like, no, yeah. It's it's like usually Kate and I just sitting here talking to each other and we we enjoy what, what we do, but it's it's like hard to see. God, it's not just helpful for us. Yeah. <laughs> no, certainly not. Thanks again, Corey. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Well, you can grab the